Welcome to the Battlefield Baptist Church Podcast. We are so glad you joined us and pray that this message is a blessing to you today. This week, we're speaking on the features of a fruitful church. Join Pastor Greg as we start in Matthew 16. Very familiar passage of Scripture, and if you're there, look with me in verse number 13 and following. And the Bible records this for us. It says, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? He says, I didn't ask you. You know, he says, I'm, I want to find out what you think. And here's, here's what Simon Peter says. In verse 16, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know, there's a lot of talk these days about methodology in the local New Testament church. You know, everywhere I go, I, I, I attend certain conferences, or we even have meetings within the Virginia uh, Baptist Bible Fellowship, the state meetings that we hold, and, and pastors, it's a fellowship of pastors, we get together, and I, I often hear pastors giving their solution, giving their ideas of methodology, and, and Brother Herb would know this, and Larry and others that have served in the pastorate or as missionaries, full-time work, they'll know that there's always these talks about methodology. In fact, everyone seems to know exactly what needs to be done to see great success within the church. Let's uh, do this. Let's do that. Let's stand on our head and, and clap our hands three times. Uh, let's whatever. And, uh, but what I'm afraid is many times we miss the simple solutions that could be found right here. Go figure within God's Word. And so, in verse number 18, I, I, I think, you know, that if we'll take a look at Scripture, we can actually understand what a fruitful church or a fruitful ministry would actually look like, not only then, but even today. Notice in verse number 18, we, we see there that Jesus says, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. In verse number 18, he says, And I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock, speaking of himself, he says, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so we understand that Jesus establishes his church, and he says in this one verse that, that his church is actually going to stand forever. By the way, that's a good thing. If you're a, a member of the body of Christ, it's a good thing that his church is going to stand forever. Because here's the thing, he's not only creator and sustainer of the earth, he is creator and sustainer of his church, his bride. He enables her, he gives her the ability to do all things and to be effective in every facet of ministry. But from our opening passage here in Matthew chapter 16, our Lord only guarantees that His church will stand forever. He never speaks about the fruitfulness of His church. He never says, Thou art, thou art some of our Jonah, and upon this rock my church will be fruitful. He just says, 
the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. My church will stand forever. He doesn't speak about the fruit. And so for us to understand what a successful ministry looks like, for us to endeavor to be a part of a successful ministry, for me as a pastor to endeavor to lead a successful church ministry, the only place that I can turn and the only place that we can turn to as individuals and collectively as the body of Christ is the Word of God. You know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so we have His Word. The problem is many times we have so many other ideas that are outside of His Word that we confuse the issue. That's why when I came to Battlefield, I said, hey, I, I, I really want to simplify things. When I came back and, and became the pastor, I said, I want us to simplify our mission. Let's just love God, love His Word, and love people. And the three are connected. You cannot love God without loving His Word. You cannot love His Word without loving people. Because that's what God was. God is love. And so we understand that our Lord is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the, our bright and morning star. He is the vine and we are His branches. So how can we see and learn what a fruitful church would look like? Well, we have to look in Scripture and for that, I want us to turn to a very, very familiar passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, if you'll turn there with me, what I want you to know while you're turning is the early church was a church where things were happening. It was a happening church. There was a lot of things going on during this time. There was persecution of the early church that a lot of people don't recognize or remember. But the evidence is enormous that God's presence and His power was with this early church and you can see that through the things that were actually being done. The early church was truly fruitful. You think about it, people were being saved, they were being baptized, they were being added to the church daily, such as should be saved, as we'll read here in just a second. But what I want us to see is to take a step back and to look back into this passage and to actually understand that there were some other miracles that were taking place beyond the miracle of new birth. There were some miracles that were taking place within the body of believers here in Acts chapter 2. Notice with me, uh, beginning in verse number 41. And the Bible says this, it says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul... And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, and as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And if you're a note taker, I want to give you a, a few things that you can take away. Number one, the fruitful church, or a fruitful church, is a church that loves God's Word. It's a church that loves God's Word. You, we're not going to have a fruitful ministry here at Battlefield Baptist Church or any other church. It doesn't matter what your church name is. If there isn't a love for God's Word, the church will not be fruitful. Because we have to be in the Word of God to be fruitful. Notice again what the Bible says. It says, Then they that gladly received His Word. The church basically had the Old Testament Scriptures and then what the apostles were now teaching them. And here's the thing, folks. 
This was not a set of ideas or man-made wisdom or thoughts or human philosophy. This was God's word as it was being delivered to them. Think about it. They had the Old Testament scriptures and then they had what is referred to here as the apostles' doctrine. The apostles were teaching them God's word. Think about it. God had revealed himself to the apostles through who? It's not. God had revealed himself to the apostles through who? Jesus. Jesus loves me, this I know. Okay? He was revealing himself to the apostles through Jesus. And here's what happens on that day of Pentecost. Peter is actually revealing the truth of God through the word that he gives them. The Holy Spirit is moving Peter and using him. Remember, the Holy Spirit filled Peter, filled the place, and we have that, day, that great day of Pentecost. And so God revealed himself, and through his son Jesus Christ, Peter was now declaring that reality of Christ with the early church. And what we see from this very short passage of Scripture is that the early church had a commitment and a devotion to God's Word. The Word of God, folks, is still the common denominator for any true church. Without God's Word, you don't have a church, you have a club. Think about it. Without God's Word, you do not have a church, you have a club. How do we know that God exists? Well, we have general and special revelation. We can look to the stars in the heavens and understand that God created the heavens and the earth and the firmament showeth forth His handiwork. We can look out and see the created universe. We can, we can actually look at those videos and look at uh, the planets and how God placed the stars in their sockets. We can understand that God uh, took man and out of the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the very breath of life and created woman and on and on. We can look in that general, but we can also go to God's special revelation or his word. And so he reveals himself to us through his word. And this is the same thing that's taking place in that early church. And what I think is interesting is notice verse 41 again. Just notice this. Then they, notice the word they, that gladly received his word. Verse 41 indicates to me and to everyone that not everyone loves God's word. See, there were those that didn't love God's word. <laughs> there were those that did not receive God's word. By the way, when you receive God's word, it's with gladness. If you have received God's word, you receive it with gladness. You don't receive it. I, I know there's sometimes you may feel a little angry you know, because you read a passage that's hard. And the only time, you know, you read something, it's like, uh-oh, there I am, the man in the mirror. And it's not comfortable sometimes to receive God's teaching. Why? Because it goes against our nature because we're covered with flesh. But here's the fact. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, they gladly received his word and they did so gladly. The church at Thessalonica gladly received the apostles' doctrine as well. Notice what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. It says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. They not only received it gladly, but they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That idea of continuing steadfastly means that they stuck to it. They received it, 
They didn't just receive it and put it away. They received it and wanted more. They said, hold on, that's good. That's a good teaching. That, that's, that's exciting. Can you share more? And so the Bible talks about the fact that they continued steadfastly. They persevered. They stuck to it. They endured having the word of God as their roadmap or their guide for success. As believers, I put down here, I was talking to somebody this morning, Larry and I were talking before prayer. I said, as believers, you know, it's one thing to hear God's word. It's another thing to apply it. James talks about that. Faith without works is dead. And so once we understand the word of God, we need to put it into practice. And so we need to always be not only reading God's word, but heeding it and applying it to our lives. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15, the Bible says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, traditions being the word of God, whether by word or our epistle. Listen, our spiritual nourishment is vital to our ability to be fruitful. And the truth is, once we have gladly received God's word, every one of us ought to be growing and maturing. Everyone. And that's how the early church continued to grow. They didn't just receive it, they continued steadfastly in it. And it's just like I've always said, our life as a cup, keep putting in truth, keep putting in truth, keep putting in good. If you fill your cup up daily with bad, if you fill your cup up with vulgarity, if you fill your cup up with bad attitudes, if you fill your cup up with lying, cheating, stealing, and on and on, and the, and the, the things that we learned a few weeks ago, how the flesh manifests those things, then guess what? Don't be surprised when those things come out and overflow out of your cup. So there's an indication, implication is that after we receive God's word gladly, we should continue steadfastly if we want to be a fruitful church. Developing our love for God's word is like anything else. I remember falling in love with my funny little honey. We celebrated 25 years of marriage uh, on Wednesday, and uh, we, really, we really went big. We went to this, I don't want to say God forsaken, I don't want to give them bad publicity. Um, we went to this restaurant called the Big Crab. Uh, yeah. I'm not a big fan of seafood anyway, that's why I told the Bible study class, I go to a seafood place for one reason only. You know, um, I learned that if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. And so we went to this place called the Big Crab, and I tried the roast beef. And uh, got news for you, roast beef's not the place, to, it's not, a, a, a seafood place is not the place to try roast beef. Then they had this guy back there grilling, and I said, oh, can I have a little piece of steak? And so he grilled that, and... Seafood place is not necessarily the place to have a guy grill you a little mini steak. His idea of medium was my idea of well done. And so it was a wonderful meal. The best thing on the menu was the peach and apple cobbler with ice cream. That was my meal. I enjoyed it. Listen, a fruitful church is going to be one that loves God's word and is nourished on God's word. See, we like to nourish ourselves with the physical food of this world. We need to spend more time, if we really want to be fruitful, we need to spend more time receiving spiritual nourishment. 
and the scriptures revealed that the early church did that. They had a love for God's word. Pastor, author, and teacher Johnny Hunt once said this. He said, spiritual instructions precede spiritual impacts on you and spiritual influence on others. Don't expect to influence others if you have not received spiritual instruction. See, a lot of people go out and they get this badge of Christianity and uh, they're not really in the word, but they think they know the word. And they want to give people counsel all the time. Everybody wants to become a Christian counselor. By the way, uh, be careful about doing that. Seriously. The Bible talks about that not many should be masters teaching and, and that stuff. So be very careful giving Christian thought counseling if you're not in God's word. Hey, it's one thing that iron sharpens iron, but we need to make sure that it's iron sharpening iron and not plastic sharpening iron, right? And so we need to be in God's word, if, and, and I applaud you if you want to do that, but make sure you're giving biblical counsel and not counsel according to your own words and according to your own thoughts. It's very, very, very important. Listen, we're not going to have an impact or an influence on others until the word of God has influenced and impacted us. And so the early church loved God's word. A fruitful church is a church also that's unified. It's going to be a church that's unified. If the church is divided, don't expect the church to be bearing fruit. Notice in verse 44 and following, the Bible says, And all that believed were together and had all things common. Verse 45 says, And sold their possession and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need, and they continuing daily with one accord. Verse 44 says that phrase where it says had all things common. It means they stuck together. They were unified. They had an intense feeling of personal responsibility for one another. Do we have that? Do we feel responsible for one another? A lot of times people say, hey, pastor, that was a great message. And I'm appreciative of, the, of those comments. But I want you to know that one day I will stand before God and give an account of what I taught, what I preached, what I gave to you. It's very important that I do it the right way, according to God's word. Listen, this early church, they were unified. They cared about one another. They were praying with one another. They were breaking bread with one another. They were fellowshipping. They were in God's word together. They were doing all these things together because they cared one for another. In verse 45, the Bible, when it talks about the fact that they sold their possession and goods and gave to every man as every man had need, it talks about the fact that they were giving and caring and sharing. It was not a reference to socialism, as many may assert. No, these things are actually essential marks of a true Christian's life. In fact, if you have it, throw up the passage from 1 John chapter 3. In 1 John chapter 3, the Bible tells us in verse 16, 17, and 18, it says this, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shut up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Notice what John says. He says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. The early church's care for one another was voluntary, and here's the really neat thing. It was motivated by love, not law. It was not motivated by law. It was motivated by love, a love for God and a love for their fellow man. 
In verse 46, the Bible says they continued daily in one accord. This unification continues. They had a one mind. They had one purpose, one goal. Philippians 2.5 reminds us to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Our Lord was not selfish. He was selfless. That's how we have to be if we want to be a church that is fruitful. He, His Father, and the Holy Spirit were of one mind when He willingly sacrificed Himself for the sins of the world. The people of the early church were unified and they proved it. They were being persecuted for their faith, yet they persevered. Many were losing their jobs. Others were forced for their homes. Poverty became a problem for many. But this church saw fit to rally together. They sold their possessions and they gave in order to meet the needs of the day. In fact, Acts 4.32 reveals the same truth. Notice what it says. It says, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. They stood with one another, not against one another. Dwight L. Moody, that great preacher of yesteryear, once said this. He said, I have never yet known the Spirit of God to work where the Lord's people were divided. Think about that. I have never yet known the Spirit of God to work where the Lord's people were divided. The early church was fruitful because they were unified. They were walking and serving the Lord with one mind. They had one purpose, which was to glorify God. Number three, a fruitful church is a church that's passionate about others. I love to serve the Lord, but I also love to serve others. Back in verse 42, we've passed that point, but the, remember, they not only gladly received and continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, but in verse 42, the Bible tells us that they continued in fellowship and in breaking bread. Here's something I want everybody to understand. Fellowship forbids an unattached Christian life. You cannot say that you are a believer of Christ Jesus and you're a part of His church and then tell me that you do not want to associate with others. That's not possible. That's not possible. Well, I just like to stay home and I'm a church all to myself. That, show, me, show me that in Scripture. Show me that in Scripture and I'll join you. That's how confident I am that that's not biblical. See, that's... that's that old flesh coming out that says, I like to get up and eat my English muffin and have my coffee with my beet jelly and hang out at home. That's not, that's not the life that God intended. Jesus came to give us the abundant life. And the abundant life entails us being together. He established his church for a reason. He says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But we have this cultural mindset today that says, well, I'll go out there and I'll worship with the church when I get good and ready or when I feel like it. Or I'll take three Sundays off and I'll show up one Sunday a month. That's good enough, isn't it, God? That's not what God has planned for you or me. And I'm not saying this just because I'm the pastor. I would have said it when I sat right over there where Norma's sitting today. And those of you that knew me from back then would know that I would have said that before I was ever even in full-time ministry. That's not God's plan. My wife and I didn't serve the Lord all those years before the Lord took us into full-time ministry because we felt like 
I had to or because I was serving some man or some woman. We served the Lord because we were serving the Lord. Because of His goodness, because of His mercy, because of His grace, because of His love in our lives. Listen, I can't help but to think of how much the Lord has blessed us. When Krista and I got married, we had this much. Anybody there? Anybody ever start their marriage like that? You know? It's like I'm telling my son, save your money, save your money, save your money, because one day, you know, you might get married and then you need to have some money. This is what we had. We had a whole lot of nothing. But you know what? We had Jesus and we had one another. Woo. My oldest brother, who I, we spent some time with this last week, my oldest brother knew that we had nothing. And we went to that familiar store of yesteryear called Montgomery Wards. Affectionately referred to as monkey wards. And we bought a couch and a lazy boy chair. It was $800 for both of them. We made a deal with the devil there at Montgomery Wards <laughs> that we would pay a little now, pay a little later. You know, it's the later part that's a problem on those deals. And so my brother said, you know what, I'm going to pay half up front, and then you all pay the other half. We never got the bill. My oldest brother paid for our first couch and our first chair because he knew we had nothing. The early church was passionate about others. They cared for one another. They met the needs of one another. They worshipped with one another. I mean, it, it was a crazy time. And so don't tell me that you're a Christian and that you want to live an unattached life. I'm a part of Battlefield Baptist Church and I'll see you at Missions Revival. No, that's not, no, no, that's not good for me and that's not good for you. That's going to be detrimental to your faith. You're going to end up putting yourself into a bad situation when you stay away from the family of God. We get together to encourage one another. It encourages me to see people serving the Lord. It encourages me to see that people still love the Lord enough to show up to worship the Lord. It encourages me to see people studying God's Word. It encourages me to actually see people turn in Scripture and read God's Word. And you know what? It brings God glory. It brings Him praise. It brings Him honor. It encourages me, Jared, when people are singing, How Great Thou Art. Those things are an encouragement, folks. And God established His church, our Lord established His church, so that we might live the abundant life together. This early church was fruitful because they were passionate about others. Since our fellowship with one another hinges on Jesus Christ, Fellowship will only be maintained when we as members of the church continue steadfastly in the scriptures and in worship. Yes, Christianity is first a very personal matter, and I always talk about that because in Psalm 23, the Bible says, uh, the psalmist said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me. It's a very personal relationship, but it's also a very social relationship because once I am a member of the family of God, we're family. You're my brother, Jeff. You're my sister, Francis. You're my sister, Krista. You're my wife, but you're my sister. Don't forget, you're my wife. <laughs> it's a social matter. Guys, lighten up. 
It's a beautiful thing when we think about this, this fruitful church because they were passionate about each other. As believers, we're not only attached individually to Jesus, but we are also attached to one another as members of the body. In Romans chapter 12, verse number 5, So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, the Bible states that we are all one in Christ Jesus. Back in verse 46 of our passage, the Bible says they continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Listen, their passion and their devotion to God and man caused this early church to worship together. It was a beautiful picture to those that were not in the church. It's a beautiful picture. I know this is going to sound crazy. You can't even hear them. Right now there's people driving by. It's a beautiful picture for them to see the parking lot filled with cars. It would be even more beautiful if more cars were in the parking lot. It would be way beautiful if cars had to park on the grass. As people drove by, they would say, whoa, that church is committed to Christ. That's what the early church had. People were looking at the church in Acts. And you'll see that here in a second. They were looking at them. They saw that they worshipped in the temple, that they broke bread together. They continued in fellowship. And they sold their possessions. And as every man had need, they supported one another. And it was an impact. It had an impact on the culture around them. The Bible tells us in Psalm 135, To praise ye the Lord, praise ye the name of the Lord. Praise Him, O ye servants of the Lord. Ye that stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God, praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises unto His name, for it is pleasant. Listen, Psalm 22, 3 reminds us that our God, the one who inhabits the praise of Israel, He's holy. He's holy. He's worthy of our praise. As Travis was preaching last Sunday night, He is worthy of everything that we could give Him. Hebrews 13, verse number 15, teaches us by saying, By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Oh, they worship together. They, their passion also caused the early church to exercise hospitality. Oh, listen. Passion also caused them to live generous lives as they sold and gave to others who had need. All these things were a daily reality in their lives. And I can't help but to ask, is that a daily reality in our life? Oh, the fruitful church was passionate about others. And then the last thing I want you to see, and I close, is notice verse 47. A fruitful church is a church that God is using. Is God using us? Oh, yes, He is. Do I believe that God could use us more? Absolutely. A fruitful church is a church that God is using. Verse 47 says that they were praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. They were a church that sang God's praises. Why? Because they were a church that was filled with grateful people. They were grateful for who God was, what God had done, and what God was doing in their lives. In other words... They had a proper opinion of His greatness. They had a proper opinion of God in His greatness. Who He was, what He had done through creation, the creation of the heavens and the earth, what He had done by sending His Son down 
to this earth to live a sinless, spotless life, crucified on the cross, buried in a borrowed tomb, rose again three days later according to the scriptures. They understood that, they recognized it, they believed it, and they put that into practice through their worship, through their fellowship, through their breaking of their bread. And they did that with unity. They did that with passion. They loved his word. This church was on fire. This church was Holy Spirit filled. And God used them. Despite all their difficulties, they lived their lives praising God. I want to show you three quick verses in Psalms, three Psalms. In Psalm 145, this is David's Psalm of Praise. In verse 1 and 2, notice what he says. I will extol thee, my God, O King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day I will bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. In the very next psalm, Psalm 146, he says, Praise ye the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, will I praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. In Psalm 147, I love this. Notice what he says. Praise ye the Lord. For it is good to sing praises under our God, for it is present. And notice the last phrase, and praise is comely. That word comely in the Hebrew means that praise is decent, it is fitting, it is proper. Because that church praised God, here's what took place. The Bible says they had favor with all people. The word all, I did a check just to be sure. It still means all. They had favor with the people who did not gladly receive his word. They had favor with the saints of the church. They had favor with all people. It was a testimony of God's work in their lives. God, because of their, their worship, because of their praise, because of their passion, because of everything that was going on in this fruitful church, God used them in a mighty way. Speaking of this church in Acts chapter 2, Scottish author and minister William Barclay said this. He said, they were a church whose people could not help but to be liked. Ultimately, we see this church was the right type of witness. And because of it, God added to the church daily. May God help us. May God help us to be the right type of witness. You see, because if we will be, and I'm putting an emphasis on be for a reason, if we will be the right type of witness, we'll be a fruitful church. I was sharing with Jared last night. I was reading over my message, and I was sharing with Jared how I enjoyed worshiping at Bellevue Baptist Church. In the service that Krista and I and Casey attended, there were probably 4,500 to 5,000 people present. 6,200 seat auditorium. It was the traditional service, oddly enough. It was not the contemporary service. The contemporary service followed. They had about 1,500 people in the contemporary service. Pretty big ministry. But I told Jared last night, I said, you know, I learned something from our experience at Bellevue Baptist Church. Bigger does not necessarily mean better. Bigger does not necessarily mean better. Better means better. Let's be a fruitful church. Let's fall in love with God all over again. Let's love his word like the early church did. Let's be unified in our purpose as we walk out these doors to be witnesses 
Let's be passionate for one another, for God and for one another. And then let's allow God to do the work in and through our lives. Would you do that? Would you ask God today, God, help me to be a member of a church that is fruitful. Help me to be a part of a fruitful church. Would you do that? Would you? I pray that you will. Let's pray. Thank you so much for listening. For more information about our ministry, please go to battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. See you next time.